Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary PSL. Please join lead pastor Mike Wiggins for the message, Raised to New Life. Amen. Well, around AD 56 to AD 57, the Apostle Paul wrote this amazing letter to the church at Rome, the Romans. And this letter that he wrote was all about new life. It was all about the new life that is available to all people through the death and resurrection of Christ. And so in Romans 6, 3 and 4, Paul showed us how this new life is illustrated in what we call Christian baptism. And so I'm going to read from the Bible. We'll put the verses up on your screen, but check it out. This is Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, happy Easter, by the way, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, those verses, what Paul said under the inspiration of the Spirit to the church at Rome, it depicts a radical change in the lives of people. And so the word baptized means this. The word baptized or baptizo, it means to immerse. It means to submerge. And so there's at least three reasons why we baptize by immersion here at Calvary Port St. Lucie. The first reason is because of the meaning of the word. Baptizo, I just showed you. In the Greek, it means to immerse. It means to submerge. The second reason that we baptize people by immersion is because that's the way it happened in the Bible. We've been studying verse by verse through the book of Acts now for over a year. And what we have found out is that every single time somebody gets baptized, they get baptized by immersion. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, he came up out of the water. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't come up out of the water unless you go down into the water first. And so why do we baptize by immersion? Because of the meaning of the word. Because that's the way Jesus and all the people in the New Testament were baptized but I think the third and most important reason is because of what it illustrates. You see, for the believer, baptism outwardly illustrates what has already taken place spiritually in their hearts when they were saved. You see, when someone turns from their sin to Jesus alone as their Savior and Lord, they become one with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and his burial and in his resurrection. And so when a believer is baptized, you've seen it before, um, they go down into the water. What does that mean? What does that illustrate? What does that show? It shows what's already happened in their hearts. It means that they are one with Christ in his death and in his burial. And then what happens? They come up out of the water. What does that mean? What does that show? What does that illustrate? That shows that now, just as they are one with Jesus in his death, now they're one with Jesus in his resurrection. Therefore, they really need to be walking in newness of life. And so that's the beautiful picture of baptism. That's what baptism illustrates. And so what does it mean? Well, one of the reasons is my old life has been buried in a watery grave. And look at this. 
Now I have new life in Christ. You see, Christ's resurrection that happened almost 2,000 years ago, again, I think I said it in my prayer, it was never meant to just be a historical event where people say, oh, that's interesting. No. No, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is supposed to have an impact on your life and my life today. It's supposed to encourage us to walk in newness of life, resurrection life, which is illustrated by baptism. And so one of the best examples in the scriptures about a man who was changed by the resurrected Christ is the story of Peter. Peter, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. You remember Peter? Peter was strong. He was tough. He was outgoing. (laughs) He was rough around the edges. This guy was a man's man, one of the most colorful figures in all the Bible. When he met Jesus, did you know that Jesus changed his name? You remember back in John chapter 1, Jesus looked at, at Peter and he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. Now, I want you to remember that name, Peter's old name. It's going to be important later in our message. Jesus said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, Peter, which is translated a stone. And so in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he changed his name. Fast forward about three years. Now we come to the night before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And that night, Peter, the rock, right, Rocky, he looks at Jesus, probably stuck out his chest, and he said, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus looked at him and responded. He said, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And so later that night, you know the story, Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. First, they took him to the home of Annas, the former high priest, father-in-law of Caiaphas. He still had a lot of power in Israel. They took Jesus first to Annas' house. As Jesus was being questioned in the house, Peter was on a courtyard outside the house. And Peter's trying to remain incognito. And it says that he's standing there by a fire. It's a cold night. He's warming himself. And I I wonder, as, as Peter is looking down into the flames of that fire, as he's hearing the crackling, as he's smelling the smoke, what is what is he thinking? Here's what we know. He is not walking in the spirit. Because some people around that fire on the high priest's courtyard asked him if he was a follower of Jesus Christ and Peter, this rock of a man, shriveled in fear. And he said, and I quote, no, I am not. He disowned the Lord. He denied the Lord. Again, you know the story. That evening, Peter denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. And during that last denial, the Bible says, at least Matthew and Mark say, say, say that he invoked a curse. <laughs> he invoked a curse upon himself and he began to swear and he denied the Lord a third time. And right then the rooster crowed. And right then they led Jesus outside of the house. And the Bible 
in Luke's gospel says that Jesus looked at Peter. Peter looked at Jesus. Can you imagine that look? Can you imagine the eternal, uncreated son of God looking deeply into your eyes? And so Peter remembered the prediction of the Lord. Before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. And the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. Not one or two tears. He was sobbing in sorrow. Peter was distraught. Peter desperately needed to be forgiven. He desperately needed to be restored. And because our God is a God of mercy and a God of grace, here's what we know. Soon Peter would be forgiven and soon Peter would be restored. Listen to this. After the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we know on Friday, Jesus died for our sins. We know that he was in the tomb for three days, Friday, Saturday, and we know on that third day, Sunday morning, the Lord Jesus Christ got up and he walked out of that tomb victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And so there's two verses in the New Testament, Luke 24, 34, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, that talk about a private meeting, a private appearance that Christ, the resurrected Christ, made to Peter. But the problem is we don't have any details about that private appearance, that private post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to Peter. We don't know anything about it, but we do have lots of details about all the public appearances of the Lord. And so after Jesus rose from the dead for 40 days, he would appear and disappear in his resurrected body to his disciples. And my favorite public appearance story can be found in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, which is all about forgiveness, restoration, and renewed purpose. Now think about that for your own life. Maybe you're in need of forgiveness. Maybe you're in need of restoration. Maybe you're in, in need of a renewed purpose in your life. If that's you, man, listen to this story. And so after his resurrection, Jesus sent a message uh, to his disciples. The message was, go to Galilee and wait for me. I'm gonna appear to you in Galilee. And so they packed their bags. They left Judea. They went up back home to Galilee. And Peter is getting impatient. And so what does he do? He says, I'm going fishing. And six of the disciples said, we're going with you. Now, I got to ask a question at this point in our story. Was Peter going back to his old way of life? You see, three years earlier, Jesus called him away from the nets. Three years earlier, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And so was Peter just hungry in John chapter 21? Is that why he said, I'm going fishing? Or was Peter returning to his old way of life? Whatever the motive was, here's what we know. Peter and those six other disciples, seven of them, they went out on the Sea of Galilee and they literally fished all night long. And guess how many fish they caught? Nothing, nada, nilch. Not one tilapia, nothing at all. And so they're frustrated, they're fatigued. And, and the Bible says, John tells us that they're, they're coming in to shore 
as the sun is rising over the horizon. So at daybreak, I want you to picture the Bible. Let's allow the Bible to come alive. Let, let these stories come alive in your heart. And so they're, they're approaching the beach there on the Sea of Galilee after having fished all night. And it's a daybreak. And then all of a sudden, there's a stranger on the beach. And he calls out, hey, did you catch anything? And they're like, no. And he says, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Now, that had to come across as the worst fishing advice in the history of fishing, right? All night, these seasoned fishermen had been casting and recasting their nets, and they came up completely empty. But now this stranger on the beach is telling them to cast their net on the right side of a drifting boat? Well, somebody must have said, oh, just do it. And many of you know the story. They cast their net and all of a sudden, boom, instantaneously it filled up. They counted the fish later, 153 fish. This net filled up with so many fish, the net became so full that these, these guys, these burly fishermen could not even pull the net up on their boat. And they must have been going berserk, like, what in the world? How does this happen, right? John knew how it happened. John looks over at Peter and said, it's the Lord. And then here's impetuous Peter. What does he do? He throws on his outer garment and he plunges into the sea. And Peter swims about 100 yards from the boat to the beach. Again, picture it in your mind. Peter comes up out of the surf he walks up, he's dripping wet. He's in need of forgiveness and he's in need of restoration. And he's standing, again, happy Easter, he's standing before the resurrected Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say it again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was never meant to be some historical event. Oh yeah, that's interesting, no. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is supposed to have a profound impact on our lives today. And Peter is about to be the recipient of some real profound impact. He's standing there dripping wet before the resurrected Christ. And at some point, he noticed it. I don't know if you've ever noticed it in John chapter 21, but at some point, Peter noticed it. A charcoal fire. And as he looked into the flames, as he heard the crackling noise, as he smelled the smoke, I wonder if it all came back to him. I wonder if the memory of the high priest's courtyard where he stood before another charcoal fire. I wonder if Peter was thinking about that and thinking about how that night he denied the Lord three times. And now, standing next to this charcoal fire on the beach, there he is again. Now, the resurrected Christ. And he's looking at Peter again with that look. Hey, I don't think it was a look of condemnation. I think it was a look of love. I think it was a look of restoration. I think it was a look that Jesus sometimes look at, looks at you with and me with, saying, why don't you let me impact 
your life. And so he's looking at Peter and all the others come up, the other six disciples, and, and Jesus says, hey, bring some of the fish that you caught. Come and have breakfast. And they all enjoyed a meal that morning on the beach of the Sea of Galilee. Now, after breakfast, the Lord said this to Peter. It's very interesting to me. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, there's two things that jump out at me from that verse. It's very interesting. I underlined those two things. The first thing, did you notice that Jesus used Peter's old name? Simon, son of Jonah. Did Jesus use Peter's old name because Peter had gone back to his old way of life? Remember, Christ said three years earlier, follow me, drop those nets, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. The second thing that's very interesting to me is that Jesus referenced Peter's old job. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, I've gone back and forth for many, many years of what is the meaning of these? For a while, I'll believe these means, do you love me more than these other disciples? But this week, more than ever, as I looked at the whole context of the whole story, I'm convinced that these means this. Do you love me more than these 153 fish? Peter, do you love me more than the boats, the nets, the smell of the sea? Do you love me more than what you used to do? Let's see how Peter responded. Check it out. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus, with that look again, he looks at Peter and he says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Peter, Peter, you got sidetracked. Peter, you've gone back to your old ways. Peter, let me be clear. <laughs> Feed my sheep. That's what I've called you to do. And he, he did it. It was awkward. He did it two more times. Two more times he used Peter's old name, Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me? And Peter's like the second time, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, tend my sheep. And then a third time, Simon, son of Jonah. Peter's thinking he's using my name, my old name again. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this time the Bible says Peter's grieved to his heart. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And so why in the world did Christ ask Peter three times if he loved him and I know many of you right now are saying the answer out loud in your living room. And you're right. Because after denying Jesus three times, Jesus wanted to give Peter a chance to declare his love for him again three times. Because Peter said, I don't know him. I do not know him. How many times do I got to tell you? Curses, swearing. I don't know the man. And now, humbled, broken, Peter says, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. What was Jesus doing? He was restoring Peter. 
It's as if Jesus was saying to him, Pete, it's time to let go of your guilt and shame. Who am I talking to right now? Who is the Lord, more importantly, talking to right now? It's time to let go of your guilt and shame. Peter, you're forgiven. Peter, you're restored. Peter, I'm giving you renewed purpose for your life. I want you to feed my sheep. And wow, did he ever. <laughs> Have you ever studied Peter's life in the New Testament? I mean, he took this to heart. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, Peter did. This is something the Lord spoke to my heart about this week. Peter, with the help of the Holy Spirit, did an amazing job fulfilling his call in his life. What about you? Are you content to just be a nominal Christian, just a believer in name? Listen, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a call for you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you need to find out what that call is and you need to walk it out because you only get, and I only get, one chance at this thing called life. And we, when, when we one day stand before the Lord, eyeball to eyeball, we are gonna wanna hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And Peter was there on the day of Pentecost after having led 3,000 people to Christ. He was no longer afraid. He was no longer embarrassed. No, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was filled with this power from on high and he loved the Lord and he showed it by sharing his faith. And 3,000 people came to Christ and what happened after that? Peter stood and he watched one by one, 3,000 people go down into the mikvah, go down into the Jewish baptismals outside of the Temple Mount. He saw them immerse, baptizo, submerge themselves into the water. And he's probably thinking, wow, they have been buried and have died with Christ. And then he walks, he sees them walking out of that baptismal and he's thinking, and they, they, I hope they, now walk in newness of life. And maybe Peter thought, my old life has been buried as well. Lord, Help me, with the help of your Holy Spirit, to walk in newness of life. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter was changed. And for the remainder of our time today, I want you to hear the story of another man who was changed by the resurrected Christ. And so Lee, come on up. And you guys can clap in your living rooms, but I'm welcoming up Lee Almeida. We're gonna do a six foot fist bump right here. And you can go ahead and sit down, my brother. Yes, thank you. And so for those of you who don't know, I know a lot of you know him, but this is Lee Almeida. And so um, Lee is just a blessing to me personally as the pastor of this church. Um, Lee is somebody who's been profoundly impacted uh, by the resurrected Christ in his life. And in a second here, he's gonna share his story with you. But let me, let me just tell you a little bit about, about Lee Almeida. He's married to Melissa. Mm -hmm. And together they have this beautiful blended family 
with six kids. And the reason I'm doing this is because three of those kids, right, are already yes. adults. Yes. And so uh, Lee came to our church in 2010, and he hit the ground running. I mean, again, this guy has been such a blessing to me uh, because he serves. He just serves and serves and serves. And so I'm not going to give you everything that he's done, but uh, two significant areas that he has served um, here is uh, our first impressions coordinator yes. for years. He oversaw that ministry, that vital ministry. And let me give a shout out to all of you first impression ministry Amen. partners. We miss you. We love you. Can't wait to get back uh, with you uh, for our weekend services. Um, but then also uh, Lee uh, was ordained as a deacon in 2018. In the summer of 2018, uh, he went with uh, Pastor Bob and Brenda and helped them plant Calvary Community Church. And now him and Melissa and the kids are back yes. with us. And you're going to school. Why don't you tell them a little bit about what you're doing yeah, educationally? I'm going to school for my biblical studies degree. And uh, it's been such a blessing. Uh, since 2017, God uh, called me to go to school. And I've been doing it ever since. And I'm telling you, it's just been such a great blessing in my life as I'm learning every single day. It's really amazing. Awesome, really. awesome. Yeah, and, and I, we're in the same Calvary group. Mm -hmm. And so recently, uh, Lee shared his testimony. And I thought later, more people got to hear this story. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to do is I want to give uh, Lee a chance to oh. share his story of redemption Listen again, and I think you've caught on. <laughs> this is the theme. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was not just a historical event that took place 2,000 years ago. Oh, that's interesting. No. It's something that's supposed to change our lives today, and Lee's got this story of, of change. And so, Lee, why don't you share with our visitors and church family uh, what Christ did in your life? Absolutely. Well, I just first want to thank you, Pastor Mike, for yeah. this opportunity to share. Um, I was born in Brazil. I came here when I was about six um, grew up in a loving home. I mean, just the two greatest parents a, a, a man could ever ask for. And for that, I just want to say thank you, Mom and Dad. I love you very much. Um, but as I grew up in Maryland around the age of or 13, I really started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And my life started going sideways. I started getting in a lot of trouble. And my dad seen that. Um, it was about when I was about 15, my dad picks up our whole family and moves us down to Florida. And you know, being a dad today, I could just imagine how hard that was. So I wanna publicly just say thank you, dad, for just loving me and never giving up on me. But when we got down here in uh, Florida, from the age of 16 to 24, my life just completely spiraled out of control. Um, I started uh, entertaining gang activities. I started selling drugs. And then by the age of 18, um, I get locked up for the first time and I get uh, locked up on felony charges. Later on, those charges get dismissed, thank God. Um, but at the age of 20, I have my first child, um, a beautiful little girl, Alexia, and she was just the light of my life. But here I am at 20 years old, uh, trying to be a good dad to my daughter, but still living this reckless life. And that went on for a couple years until about the age of 24, it was like the hardest time of my life. It was like where I hit rock bottom. I get arrested again on cr criminal charges, felony charges, and DCF takes my daughter away from me. Mm. And, that, and I didn't get to see her for about like seven months. That was the hardest time of my life. Um, I know that my friends at the time, 
thought I was living on top of the world, you know, because I had the nice car, the, the nice bike in the garage, the money in the pocket. I'm, I'm constantly surrounded by people, you know, and they just thinking I'm living on top of the world. But I'm going to tell you, Mike, that was like the hardest time of my life. I felt broken inside. I remember one time it was like 2 o'clock in the morning coming home from a club. I go to the beach, and I'm sitting in my expedition um, on top of a hill overviewing the water. And um, I just start getting these negative thoughts in my mind, uh, like I was never going to see my daughter again, that I was going to rot in jail, and, you know, that I was never going to amount to nothing in life, you know, that I was like a deadbeat. And I just literally start contemplating suicide. Mm. I just wanted to drive my car into the ocean. And I, I was literally about to do that because I didn't want to live no more. I was broken. I, I didn't see no hope in my life anymore. And then right when I'm contemplating all this, a small, still voice in my head said, uh, what about your little girl? Mm. And I think that that's all God needed for me to hear. I turn around. I go home. So for the next year and two, I'm battling criminal car charges and also fighting for custody for my daughter. So I'm going in and out of court. I finally uh, get the criminal charges dismissed, and I get, cust uh, I get visitation rights of my daughter. So here I am now having her every other weekend. So the weekends I had her, I just wanted just to love on my little girl. You know, I wanted to be the best dad I could be, but the weekends I didn't have her, I'm still living this life. And I remember trying to better myself, and I, and I laugh at that now because here's Lee trying to better himself. And I stopped selling drugs and all that, and I started uh, managing a hip-hop group. Mm. And this has caused me to be in the clubs, around that scenery. You know, so the weekend I got my daughter, I'm spending time with her. The weekends I don't have my daughter, I'm in the clubs and all doing all of that. So a couple years later, I, I said, you know, I need to go to church. And I went to church. I went to uh, the Catholic church. And I just want you to understand my mindset at the time. I remember sitting there in church um, looking up to God and saying, aren't you happy with me now, God? Here I am. I'm in church. Mm. You know, I had this mindset like I was doing God a favor to being in church. Mm. You know, I, I was just so full of myself, so prideful, you know. And um, that went on for a couple years as I'm spending time with my daughter, as I'm going to church on Sunday, but during the weeks living a reckless life. Mm. At the age of 29, I have another child by another woman. And here goes the cycle all over again. I'm back in court for now battling um, custody battles for my son. My son Gabriel, most of you guys know him. And um, that went on for like about a year. So for like the age of 17 to about 33, my life was a roller coaster. I mean, I'm in and out of jail. I'm constantly in the courtroom, you know, trying to fight different cases. And um, I'm trying to be a good dad and give stability to my kids, but I didn't have stability myself. Mm. My life was all over the place. I had no stability in my life. It wasn't until um, I was about 33, it was 2010, one of my friends invites me to Calvary PSL. This is when we were still at the Peacock um, and we was a smaller church. But I remember coming to church and thinking like, this ain't for me. This is for holy people. This ain't, this ain't for a person that's broken like me, right? I had no concept of what it was. I didn't understand that church was like where you found healing. It's where, you know, you, 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 you found this relationship with the Lord and, and, you, and you found life. I didn't understand that concept. So I came and I remember going into the church and sitting all the way in the back, like hiding, right? And here's my mindset again. Um, 
I remember, I'm a club promoter and all this. So at, during praise and worship, I'm a type of person that likes to observe. So I'm sitting there observing uh, um, people, right? And as people is raising their hands, and they got some people that are like tearing up. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, wow, they're putting on a good show here. Mm. You know, like, do these people get paid to do this? You know, I didn't understand the concept of what was going on. I didn't understand that there was a relationship with the Lord. I just couldn't get it. So, but one thing I did uh, experience, though, was like a peace through worship. And then you come up on, on, on the scene and, and get up on stage and start preaching the word. You open the Bible. I know I told you this before. And I'm thinking, like, he opened that book? I thought that was a holy book. I thought you wasn't supposed to touch that book. See, I had never no, no conception of Bible study or anything like that. So as you're preaching, something starts tugging in my heart. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to come for a month. I remember coming the following week, and it was like people still raising their hands, and you're, and you're preaching verse by verse through the Bible, and I feel this tugging in my heart. It wasn't until week three where I, I, I know that I met Jesus. It was through a praise and worship song. And as we're going through this song, it was by Hill's song. It was called At the Cross. Um, the, the lyrics to the song just penetrated right into my heart. Um, the, the, the lyrics was like, it, it said, uh, Lord, um, you search me. You know all my ways. And even when I fail you, you still love me. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, how can God know everything I've done and love me? You know, I had this conception of God that I thought he was in heaven angry at me, like he wanted nothing to do with me. But here I am through a song, and he's like revealing his love to me. And I just broke down crying. I broke down crying. And I know for a fact that God has a sense of humor because here's this lady next to me. She reaches down and gets this box of tissues, and she goes like this out of the kindness of her heart. And here now I am taking these tissues and just wiping my tears away. I'm the one now in church just weeping, right? And I remember this just, just loving feeling coming over my heart. And right there I broke, and I looked up to heaven, and I looked up and I said, Lord, I just want you to forgive me. Forgive me for the man that I am. Forgive me for all the people I've hurt. Forgive me for the destruction pattern that I left behind me because it was such a humongous destruction pattern. And I asked God to forgive me. And I said, Lord, I need help. Please help me. I don't want to live like this no more. And I felt like, it almost felt like God was embracing me. I mean, I never experienced nothing like that in my life. And, um, and I just felt the love. So I broke down crying. And then you go up, you preach the message. And, and it was just the words I needed that day. And um, I just kept coming back. But here's my mindset still. <laughs> I know I told you this. Now I'm thinking that somebody went and told you about my life story. <laughs> and every time I would come to church, I felt like you were preaching at me. It was like conviction after conviction after conviction. And I remember sitting there one time looking up to God and saying, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I got it. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or if it was my conscience, but it said, yeah, that's how messed up you were. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I realized what the problem was. See, it wasn't God wasn't the problem. The problem was that I was constantly running from this relationship from the Lord. You know, as he's trying to draw me, I want to live in the life that I want to live, and I didn't want nothing to do with him. So the, for the first time in my life, I realized that the problem was me. And that was a huge shift in my mind and, and in my heart to where I realized, Lee, you're the problem. So I start coming to church. I think it was like two months later, you preached on baptism. And, on, and you were explaining how, like you just did it, you know, you, 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 you testify that you died with Christ and you raised to new life. You, you get a new life. And I'm like, that's what I want. 
right? So I sign up for Belizer's baptism, and I get baptized, and I'm coming up out of that water, and I'm just crying. I've now become a crybaby, right? But I know that that was God just cleansing me of all my filth, all my, my, just my brokenness inside. And I come up out of that water and remember, like, I got a new chance. I got a new life. I was like, God has given me a second chance. And I remember thinking, like, that man's in the water now. I'm a child of God now. I'm redeemed. I'm washed by the blood of Jesus, right? And I'm like, I can do this. I, I can walk in this new life now. And that freed me up. It freed me to walk for the Lord. So I, I, I get connected. I started serving. Um, I started going to men's Bible study groups. Anything I could do to just, like, you know, walk in this new life and to learn. Um, but it was about two and a half years later, um, something happened. I get uh, um, false accusations drawn against me, and I go back to jail. But this time it was different. Like, at first I knew that I didn't do nothing wrong. And second, I felt this peace over me that I have never felt before in jail. And I remember, and I know now it was the Holy Spirit speaking into me saying, don't worry, I got you. Amen. Don't worry, trust me. You know, and that's what I did. I come out of jail, and I just trust the Lord. I just start spending so much time with him coming to church, you know, writing notes and, and doing everything I can to, to be in his presence. I remember I did a study through First uh, and Second Samuel on, on King David's life. And, man, that impacted me so much because I seen how God showed up for him. Even when he failed, right, God still loved him and still embraced him and empowered him. And I'm like, yes, yes. And I felt that power as I'm going through this study. So I just continue. I continue going. But I'm going to tell you that God worked with me on something with that. Um, he worked with me about forgiveness. You know, I remember him speaking into my heart saying, Lee, you have to forgive as I've forgiven you. And I'm going to tell you, church family, you know, the power of forgiveness, what we have as a Christian, the gift that we have of forgiveness, what it does, it helps you just break free from all that, that bitterness, that anger, everything that you're piled up inside of you that is holding you down and chaining you down. You know, it breaks you free from that. It helps you look ahead to what God wants from you and what he has for you. And that's what I did, Mike. I forgave and I just looked ahead. I looked ahead to what God had for me. So it was about, I think, three years later, I meet this amazing woman. And um, I didn't want a relationship. She didn't want a relationship. And um, we become friends. But about nine months into it, as I'm spending time with the Lord, God said, that's your future wife. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, here I am. I come from nothing but brokenness. I, I come from all these relationships that, in, that always failed. And most of it due to my part, you know. But I'm like... I can't, I, can't, I can't grasp that. So as I spend more time with the Lord, he spoke it clearly in my heart. He said, that's your future wife. And then I submitted to him. Um, I proposed to her. She says yes. I don't know why she said yes, but she <laughs> said yes. Um, six months later, we're married. And I'm going to tell you right now that I understand when Paul says, you know, your grace is sufficient for me. Because I believe that God sent an angel down from heaven for me. My wife is such a blessing. She's such an awesome, godly woman. She's such a great mother. She's such a good wife to me. It's like I don't deserve what God has given me. I, I don't deserve this life that he has given me. You know, I know that I didn't do nothing to earn it. As a matter of fact, all my life I did everything to disqualify myself from it. But here I am living this new life now. You know, I got a beautiful wife, um, six amazing kids, like you said, a blended family. That's, they're such 
a blessing in my life, and God is doing such an amazing thing in our lives, you know, and brothers around me. I mean, God has put brothers around me like never before, and that's just a blessing. And I want to encourage you, man, if you don't have brothers walking next to you, solid men of God, I, I suggest you to find some because they've been such a blessing in my life and, and encourages me. You know, i got an awesome pastor, awesome church family, and it's just been a blessing. I'm living this life now that I don't deserve, and I know it's all by God's grace. You know, the Colossians 3.23 is a hard, something I put to heart where it says, do all things heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. And that's the life I want to live now. I just want to live a life that glorifies God and just points people to Jesus and let people know how much I love Jesus because Jesus is the one that changed my Amen. life. And that's where I'm at right now, you know, just enjoying the life of grace and, and what God has given me. Amen. It's been an amazing, amazing journey. Awesome, awesome. Well, we have a picture of your family. We'll put mm. it on the screen mm. for everybody to see. Why don't yeah. you uh, go ahead and give the names yes. there? That's uh, in the middle is my beautiful wife that I don't deserve. She's just such an amazing person. Uh, the top is Alexia, my little girl. Uh, Nate is the one in the red shirt. Then Isaiah in the corner. Then Jeremiah in the white shirt. Gabriel with the Orlando jersey. And Sean at last. Just a beautiful family. So, so Lee. Yes. The resurrection of Jesus Christ mm. happens almost 2,000 years ago. Yes. Historical event. By the way, a fact of history. It's not a fairy tale. Yes. Um, do the research yourself. I hope you will, because hmm. you will be convinced based on the overwhelming evidence that Jesus Christ really did come back from the grave. And so, historical event. Hmm. But was it meant to just be a historical event? No, nah, for me, it's not a historical event. I mean, I've seen the change in my life, yeah. you know, it, by me just surrendering and just w wanting to walk with the Lord. I mean, the, the, the doors he has opened, the things that he's done in my life, like I could have never worked that up. Not even in my best days, I could have even pictured having this life that I have now. You know, I don't have a perfect life. I still go through struggles. But the life I live now, I did nothing to deserve it. And I'm living in that power. I'm living in that power of grace. I know it's all been given to me by his, by his just love. Yeah. You know, and, and nobody can tell me that Jesus is not real. Amen. Nobody can't tell me that the Holy Spirit is not real because I live in it every day and I feel his power and I know he's there. Amen. So that, that's changed my life. It Amen. really has. Amen. So, so Lee has heeded the Lord's call. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. Follow me. And by the way, he didn't just say it to 12 guys 2,000 years ago. He's still saying it today. He says, follow me, right? But before you can follow the Lord, you got to meet the Lord. And so the question I have for you today is, have you met Jesus? Is it personal? You know, you heard Lee's story of redemption. This is not about any kind of, you know, um, religious activity where, where we just kind of, you know, adhere to a religion you know, um, this is a relationship. I mean, I don't care uh, what church somebody goes to. The question is, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Have you met him? And so if you say, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure where I'm at in all of that. Please, please hear, please hear this, that God loves you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. 
You're made in the image of God. But because of our sin, the fact that we were born in sin, original sin, the sin nature, that's marred. As I said last week, that marred the image of God in our lives. And not only are we all born sinners, the Bible says that we all choose to sin again and again and again. When Jesus Christ came, he didn't come to deliver Israel from the Romans. <laughs> he came to deliver all mankind, Jews and Gentiles, from sin and death. That's our problem. That's our real problem. And so we're all sinners. We all deserve death. You've heard me say before, the word death is not annihilation. It's spiritual separation from God forever. I don't know about you. I don't want anything to do with that. And so, but that is the road that all mankind is on unless we stop and we turn around. We turn from our sin the best way we know how and we turn to Christ, the risen Christ. Here's what you need to know, that Jesus Christ, when he was hanging on that cross, took your sin and my sin into his body on the tree. He took, as Pastor Mike shared in the Good Friday uh, video, he, he took the curse of the sin of all mankind into his body on the tree. And Jesus Christ paid the penalty that you and I should have paid in hell. He did that because he loves us. And when he was done, he said, as Priscilla saying, it is finished. It's finished, paid in full. And so he died and he rose again the third day. That's why we're here. He really did get up and walk out of that grave. But now he says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to know me. I want to forgive your sins. Like Peter, I want to forgive you, restore you. I want to give you purpose for your life. So if that's something that you want, what better day than Easter 2020 for you to bow your head, close your eyes, and invite Jesus Christ to be the Savior and Lord of your life? And so if that's you, right now in your home, I'm going to ask you to bow your head if you want to receive Jesus Christ. And I want you to say this to the Lord from your heart to his. In fact, I want you to say it out loud. But it's gotta be from your heart to Christ. The words of a prayer do not save anyone. It's faith in the heart. But say something like this. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You know it. And I am sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Lord, the best way I know how, I turn away from my sins. I turn to you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sins so I wouldn't have to. Thank you for your love. I believe you rose again and right here and now, I confess you as Lord. Lord of my life. And I ask you to come in. Come in my heart, forgive me. And be my savior. And be my boss. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Jesus says to those who have met him,
and been forgiven, follow me, follow me. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. In a little while, we're going to put up on the screen um, some helpful information so you know what that means to follow Christ. Um, but let me just say congratulations if you've just accepted Jesus. My prayers are for you. The prayers of our church family are with you. You don't have to be alone in any of this. We want to help you walk out this call from the Lord. And so church family, visitors, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Lee, thanks so much for sharing your story. I know God's going to use it in a big, big way. And happy Easter. <laughs>